surprised they weren't dead by dawn. Dead by dawn. Dead by dawn. <laughs> That's not the movie. Hey, babe. Yeah, babe. Remember that time we watched Dead Alive? You mean the splatter horror comedy directed by three-time Oscar winner Peter Jackson? That's the one. And it's not a part of the Lord of the Rings trilogy. It is not. Uh, it is not. Very little to do with it, except a lot to do with it. Yeah. We'll get to that. Exactly. <laughs> hey, babe. Yeah, babe. What's up, folks? I'm Nicole. I am Tover. And we're the Horror Babes. Happy New Year, by Happy the way. Happy New Year. Yeah, let's. Um, we're all hoping for a better 2021. We know that the, the uh, turn of the clock doesn't mean anything. We're still in the same position, but hey, we're turning over a new leaf, I hope. Yeah. I'm going to stop watching are on horror the way. movies. Wait, okay. no. What? <laughs> what? Did I just get fired? No, I think I just fired myself. Oh, God. Well, <laughs> also known as quit. True just firing ourselves all right so we're gonna follow the same format and in case you don't know what that is that is Topher is gonna take us through who made this thing we'll shout out the cast and the crew etc and then I will take us through a quick plot rundown and then we will go into a further analysis of the film so without further ado Topher take us away who made this thing uh I can tell you so as I said already directed by Peter Jackson uh, also written by him and his wife, Fran Walsh. Mm-hmm. They've done literally everything together. Um, Cute. It's, it's amazing. Yeah, they seem to have like a really nice working relationship. Yeah, she's done music and lyrics and... Not the movie. She no. literally did music. <laughs> I do like that lyrics. movie. It's cute. It's cute. And Pop Goes My Heart gets stuck in my head at least once a week. Mm. Yeah, so the two of them wrote the screenplay with the story writer, Stephen Sinclair. Uh, if you don't know Stephen Sinclair, then you would also recognize him as one of... Peter Jackson's other frequent collaborators. Uh, he also wrote the two t- the screenplay for the Two Towers and wrote Jackson's like first I want to say mm-hmm. uh, uh, feature, which was Meet the Feebles in 1989. Got it. Meet the F- Meet the Peebles. Meet the Feebles. Oh, actually, it might have been his. I, I can't remember if it's his first or second feature, but it was like his first sort of bigger one. It's uh, like a musical with puppets. It's a black comedy. I thought it was Peebles. No, it's an F. Oh. Um, yeah, so it's like kind of labyrinthy in that mm. it's like a weird dark musical comedy with Fun. puppets, but no David Bowie. Oh, sad. sorry. <laughs> uh, for cast, we have Timothy Baum as Lionel Cosgrove, our lead. Diana Peñalver as Paquita Maria Sanchez, mm-hmm. the Spanish Romani woman who falls in love with him. Yes. Elizabeth Moody as his mom, Vera Cosgrove. Mm-hmm. Ann Watkin is Uncle Les, the super gross dude. Um, and then our bit players are Brenda Kendall as Nurse McTavish, Stuart Devaney as Father Magruder, the hardest fucking priest ever, mm-hmm. and Jed Brophy as Void, the like punk douchebag. Right. I want to say, um, first and foremost, that even if Disney tried, they couldn't have animated like better characters. These character actors are amazing. Immaculate. Yeah. Immaculate. Like the the scene where um the grandma is kind of the first scene with the grandma. Oh yeah. Paquita's grandma, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, they're talking yes. about like her who she's in love with and everything and then the the man with the mustache, her grandfather, I'm assuming. No, um, it's her father. Her, oh, it's her father? Her yeah. father and then her grandmother, mm-hmm. right? Okay. Just right off the bat, I was like, oh, man, this is going for the gold. <laughs> like, seriously. Yeah, no, they really just go in. Like, it's it's one thing that Jackson always does so well, and I'm assuming Fran Walsh has a lot to do with this, too, being, you know, writing screenplay and shit, is developing characters, even if they're just side bit characters. They may mm-hmm. have two scenes, but they are rich. Yeah. Hundred um, percent. I love that. Like you see that all the time in Lord of the Rings. Like it's like the the lead Urukai 
yeah folks like there's a couple different like leaders of the orc high that we see they all have rich deep personalities we'll see random orcs that have rich personalities or at least something that you grab onto you know mm-hmm. we're not getting inner life or anything like that from them but we are getting something that from they them. have lived yes. experiences yes. yeah they have motivations wants and needs yep jim booth was the main producer on this he kind of helped kick off jackson's career um, he did. He produced Meet the Feebles, this, and Heavenly Creatures, which is Jackson's first Oscar, no- Oscar nomination. Mm. Um, and actually, is he credits that to Fran Walsh, his wife. Cool. That he's like, this would never have been a movie if it weren't for her. Peter Descent, or Descent, or Descent, I don't know. <laughs> he was the composer for this. Mm-hmm. Um, you would know him again. Like everybody who worked on this, this is like one of those early things. Everybody who worked on this also worked on the first few films with Jackson, basically, hmm. and that's where you would know them from. Particularly, Heavenly Creatures, like that—that yeah. that is a major, major film mm-hmm. with uh, young Melanie Linsky and uh, uh, Kate Winslet hmm. as the leads. Murray Milne was the cinematographer. Um, he's worked on a bunch of cool stuff. Uh, most notably, the people would probably know would be the Water Horse is probably his biggest one after shooting. I mean, he also worked on um, Fellowship of the Ring as the underwater cinematographer. Mm-hmm. Um, he's just, you know, getting work out there. Um, shot Meet the Feebles, shot this. There was Jamie Selkirk as the assistant producer, but also the editor here. Mm-hmm. He did edit Lord of the Rings Return of the King. Meet the Feebles, Heavenly Creatures. I get The Frighteners, which is another Peter Jackson uh, horror film. Yeah. So that's most of the the like sort of bigger names in this. Costume design was from Chris Elliott, not that Chris Elliott. And art direction was from uh, Ed Mulholland. Mm-hmm. And Kevin Leonard Jones did the production design. Great. Yeah. I mean, a lot of these people are, are amazing at their jobs. And I like to shout them out because they are amazing at their jobs. But their careers, as far as you would know them, are tied up with Jackson. Got it. Um, this was an absolute box office bomb. Mm-hmm. So it was originally released under the title Brain Dead, yeah, which is a nice in joke already if you've seen the movie, and we'll talk about that a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it was released in August of 1992 in New Zealand and February of 93 in the states. Um, the budget was three million dollars, and then it bombed. It made two hundred and forty-two thousand six hundred and twenty-three dollars in the United States. Yikes! Yep. Well, they spent most of that on the blood, I would assume. Yeah, I mean, blood's not cheap, but it's also not expensive. They actually had come in under budget, and Jackson was like, "Oh, awesome! I'm gonna go shoot that park scene." Oh, that's funny. Yeah, he had left it off because it's an unnecessary scene. Completely. But it's nice slapstick For ridiculousness, sure. and For that's sure. what Jackson loves doing. Like when you look at his earlier films, he's a, he's a bit of a mixed bag of a director, and that's I think a compliment to him. Um, mm-hmm. where he can do high fantasy like Tolkien or he can do splatter comedy like Dead Alive or he can do a really uh, uh, heartfelt period piece in both Heavenly Creatures and The Lovely Bones, you know? Yeah, I I read somewhere that they used 300 liters of blood for this movie, <laughs> which is insane. That's so much, that's so much fake blood. But apparently also uh, the Evil Dead remake, which it's really hard to not compare this movie to the Evil Dead franchise. Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, they're they're friends and like friendly competitors. Exactly. Him and Raimi. So I want to say that there's some sort of competition with who can use the the most amount of blood because the Evil Dead remake used... Uh, there, there's there's a report that the Evil Dead remake used like 50,000 gallons. The 2013 for, one? Yeah, for the for its climactic moment. So oh, yeah. I would assume that I that's... I have to imagine, yeah. yeah. So I think there's like a little friendly competition of who can use the most blood, who can spend the most money and use the most blood, which is ridiculous, <laughs> but... But for, I mean, for a long time, Evil Dead 2, I guess for a few years, Evil Dead 2 held the record for mm-hmm. most blood used in a, in a splatter film. And yeah. then obviously Peter Jackson took that crown and then Evil Dead got it back. Yeah. Um, I mean, if you want a movie that just does not hold back, just goes for it. Does not give a fuck. <laughs> this, this is the movie. And... Yeah, I'll, I'll talk more about that later. But if you if you really just want something that goes for the gold and just is disgusting at every angle, this is it. Yeah, it's it really is disgusting. But I, I and I I did feel gross during a lot of it. I felt a little nauseous. Yeah, I still really enjoy it. I think it's so fucking fun. Yeah, and so dumb. But we'll talk um, about that later. Yeah. You- um. So yeah, speaking of all of that gore. So there are two cuts of this film. Okay. We managed to get our hands on the unrated cut. 
Oh yeah, it is on YouTube, guys. We couldn't really find it anywhere else, but the full movie is on YouTube. Uh, the audio does cut out at two or three, points, yeah. two or three different points, but honestly, it's 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 not that bad. It, it only cuts out probably for copyright issues and probably for 15 seconds at a time like it's it's really not not that bad it's not that bad but you can watch it for free on youtube that's where we found it last night yeah so the original cut is 104 minutes um i don't think i've ever seen that cut unless it was the one we watched last night but we did watch at least the unrated 97 minute cut because yeah. the R-rated version is 85 minutes, and it has basically all of those super disgusting scenes cut, mm-hmm. which is stupid. I was about to say, uh, would this movie even be horror if it didn't have all of this gore? It still would be. It's a horror plot. It is. It's but... a horror comedy. Like, I mean, Shaun of the Dead would still be a horror movie, even if it didn't have the gore in it. Yeah. It just helps, you know, advance it. <laughs> right. I think you would. I, I think maybe we would have a potential for horror or not if there wasn't the gore, though. Yeah. You know, maybe. I mean, horror comedy is a weird is a weird genre. That's but what it, I'm saying. Like, but Tucker and Dale's still a horror film. Tyler I don't know. Woods I was, is still a horror film. I was I was just kind of I was I was I was thinking about it. If you I guess with all the zombies and stuff. But what? But you could just it, it's, it's the plotting. It, it literally comes down to the plotting. Yeah, it's still a horror film. The beats are comedic. But the plotting is is horror. You're right. <laughs> I was just I was I was diving into my my complicated relationship with gore, and I was like, would right. this, what would this movie be without it? But yeah, I was just yeah. asking myself that question. So it's also been banned in several countries, at least the uncut version, as well as several cut versions. It's been banned in Germany, South Korea, Singapore, and Finland. It is illegal to publicly show this film in Germany. Damn. <laughs> I love. I that. think to this day, I like, love that. <laughs> <laughs> Come Let's on, Germany. Rock like, on. Ugh, prudes. Um, yeah, a lot of people absolutely hate this movie. I personally love it. I think it's a real fun, just dumb. It's stupid, but I absolutely love it. But yeah, it's it's had very, very low critical scores, shocking mm-hmm. no one. But yeah, that's kind of a, that's most of what I have on this. Um, this is one of the first productions from Wingnut Films. That's Jackson's Jackson and Walsh's production company. Mm-hmm. Avalon Studios Limited and the New Zealand Film Commission also produced. Basically, anything you see out of New Zealand is to be produced by the New Zealand Film Commission uh, and was distributed by Trimark Pictures here in the U.S. Yeah, so that's uh, that's everything I've got on the, I guess, production side of things cool. for now. Uh, we can talk more later about other stuff, but... Yeah, yeah. That's uh, I'll hand it over to you to do some uh, some plot for me. Great, thank you. So we are in 1957. We've got Stuart McAlden, who is an explorer, and he's he's uh, along with his team. They capture a Sumatran rat monkey, which is a creature that is the spawn of tree monkeys and plague carrying rats i think they explicitly say it's like the rape of tree monkeys and yeah, the zookeeper does it, it's weird it's like um, a legend that that's what happened and it's like it's like a weird skull island legend or something well yeah and so that this is a just a nice little reference to peter jackson's favorite movie of all time which is king kong yeah so king kong comes from skull island um so this is his just like nod to his favorite movie of all time Blessings. Which we go on to direct a remake of. That was okay. Well, dreams come true. (laughs) (laughs) So they are, they run into some, some of the the natives of the island. Yeah, some indigenous folks who are unhappy with about them stealing things. Oh, imagine that. (laughs) A white man coming in and stealing their rat monkey. I'd be pissed too. Yeah. Shit. Stop stealing shit, white people. Stop it. Fucking stop it. Um, All of the museums should return their stolen shit. Yeah. Fucking stop. It's not yours. It's not ours. Stop it. I'm in that club, unfortunately. But stop it. Stop it. Yeah, I get yelled at a lot for it, but whatever. I'm right. Yeah. As a white person, I'm saying stop it. So Stuart ends up getting bit by this uh, rat monkey. A couple of times. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so he dies. Yeah, it's and... like one of the first comedic beats of the film is that his guide notices that he's got a bite on his arm, like like by his wrist or whatever. Mm-hmm. So the guide chops off his hand. He's like, okay, cool, we're good. And then he sees another 
bite higher on the guy's arm. He goes, oh, shit. Okay, got to cut off the left arm. And this is the first part in the movie where you're like, oh, this is gore with just reckless abandon. Yeah, there are no fucks given. And also yeah. it's used for comedic effect. Like, I think totally. that's why I love the gore in this is that like it's the ridiculous. gore is the joke. Yeah. You know, like, there are other really good jokes in this, but the gore is the joke. 100%. But this is the first, this is the first time that this is what separates this movie from Indiana Jones, we'll say. Right. Um, <laughs> so you're just like, oh, okay, that's what. Although that's- there is the propeller scene in Raiders of the Lost stark where the big guy with the two swords is like oh wait no yeah like there's a big guy and he's like trying to fight indy and then the indy, indy. like yeah that's just cute oh thank you uh but yeah indy like tricks him into getting in the way of the propeller and then it's just like blood yeah so we've got we've got some indiana jones um vibes in here mm-hmm. but this is way worse in the in the <laughs> gore category so we are just set off on a gore fest after this. They capture the rat monkey eventually, and the rat monkey ends up in Wellington Zoo in New Zealand. Mm-hmm. So we follow the monkey. So now, as audience members, we are in Wellington, and we meet Lionel Cosgrove, who lives in like this Victorian mansion, which is mm. it gives me a lot of like Norman Bates vibe, oh, like Bates Motel it's clear vibes. reference Him. to Norman and Norma, right? Yeah. Like, oh, completely, completely. Yeah. Like this, even even the actor looks like. Yeah, Lionel Cosgrove looks a lot like a less hot Anthony Perkins. 100%. So we've got a very obvious reference to Psycho here, um, which is wonderful. But he lives with his his mother, Vera, who is um, a lot like Norma. And uh, I'll just say (laughs) that. We could just say she's a lot. She's a a lot. Um, (laughs) And so Lionel's childhood kind of sucked. His father drowned uh, while trying to save him uh, at the beach. And he still feels guilty about that. It kind of haunts him mm-hmm. um, as an adult. This is where we meet Paquita. We meet her at a shop. She's the shopkeeper's daughter. And yeah, it's she, her father's grocery store, basically. Yeah. Yeah. She's, you know, a young, very attractive Spanish Romani um, she woman. She is sexy. Yeah. And she, it's really, it's really cute. She is convinced that they're supposed to be together. It's this whole romance thing that actually ends up working in this uh plot line Mm -hmm. it's not it's not her only reason for being there which i'll get to in a second so i actually really love that she is the love interest here it it, it moves the plot forward it's not i'll talk more about you know the damseling of women because i'm me and this is half my podcast yeah <laughs> and i just always talk about it but anyway it's a good thing to talk about so it's also it's cute where she starts off right like we see her just absolutely gaga over this doctor who yeah. comes by and she's wearing her little shopkeeper like frock and she takes he it comes off in, she's got this really it cute dress falls on, off the, her shoulder and he pushes he puts it back, it back up. up yeah and her grandmother's like no 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 no, honey we gotta talk we gotta consult the cards about this like that is not how we do things here we consult the cards. So she takes yes. her and does the reading and she's like, that doesn't look like him. And she's like really upset about it. But then she meets, she she sees in the cards, this guy, yeah, Lionel. Lionel, yeah. Lionel. Uh, so their first date is at the zoo. And, Cute date. And crazy old Vera, aka Norma, <laughs> <laughs> follows them. And is in turn bitten by the rat monkey, which like don't she's like spying on them. That's what I'm saying. Like don't <laughs> don't don't follow and spy on your adult son. Your adult son. Yeah, like bro. <laughs> what? So she gets bitten by the rat monkey, and she just like any sort of zombie movie, she appears you know fine initially. She she like steps on it stabs it with her heel it's this whole oh, ridiculous yeah, moment yeah. it's so good she like beats it to death <laughs> it's squishes pretty, its skull it's pretty crazy uh. but of course you know the following day we her her condition is declining she oh yeah there's a the wellington league what is it the wellington ladies something league it's wlwl it's like it's a funny joke and i can't remember the full joke but it's the Wellington Ladies Women's League. That's what it is. God. <laughs> um, Wellington Ladies Women's League is so hard and fun to say and such a good joke. Like, that's just that's just very good punchy writing. It's ridiculous. Um, so she's, her condition is very much so declining. She is becoming more decrepit by the moment. And all of this, 
all of this culminates in her eating her own ear after, after it falls she, like, off in custard. The she the... squirts the blood into this guy's uncle, the uncle's custard. No, no, it's no, the, no, no. It's, it's the, the lady's it's, wife. Yeah. Yeah. And and they eat it and then she eats her own ear in oh, the custard. God, like, pearl earring. Pearl earring and all. Ugh. Like it's it's this was the first time that I truly felt my stomach turning. Custard is um, already gross, and then you put a fucking ear in it, and I'm just like, no, thank you. I am I am disgusted. This movie is harder to thought talk about than I thought it was gonna be. Yeah, I'm feeling a little queasy all over again. Yeah. So uh should have gotten some seltzers before this. <laughs> and then later she eats poor Paquita's dog. Not all of it. Oh, God. All of it but the tail. That's my favorite joke oh my in the God. movie, though, is not all of it. So ridiculous. Oh, my God. So um, This adorable German shepherd, too. It's such a sweet dog. Honestly, can we stop killing animals in movies? I literally can't take it. If it's for this joke, I like it. No, I can't. I still can't take it's it. It's such I feel a good joke. I'm so sad, though. I can't, I can't laugh because I'm too busy crying. So mom appears to die. Right. Uh, but then after a big old tumble down the giant master staircase. Sweet. <laughs> um, Sorry, grand staircase. Yeah, in this mansion, I still am not over the fact that they it's live so in like pretty. a mansion. It's so pretty. The windows are gorgeous. They actually, they look like Maria's windows on her door in West Side Story. Oh, they kind of do. Yeah, they've mm-hmm. got the um, kind of it, like, like stained glass. So she turns into a zombie with, uh, which is a surprise to no one, <laughs> and um, kills the nurse. And uh, and then the nurse also returns as a zombie. We've all With seen her head almost all the way off. Yeah, we all know. If you've ever seen a zombie movie, you know exactly what's going on. Um, this is a normal zombie trope where she kills the nurse <laughs> and the nurse comes back as a zombie. And Lionel is is kind of keeping them both in the basement and is keeping them sedated with animal tranquilizers. Which is so funny. Which he, he got the- from Paquita's... No, he goes to the vet. He goes to the vet? Yeah. Who, what vet is just giving out animal so tranquilizers? This is what's really funny. I, there's, it's just a, like, I like pointing out the comedy in this movie because, like, the, the synopsis does not get, like, how funny this movie yeah, is. Yeah, I guess I could, and, I could like, exhaust myself if I wanted to picking that, this apart. I should just suspend my disbelief. Right. So he goes to a vet and is like, Oh, do you have sedatives? And the vet's like, No, what do you think I am? But I have tranquilizers. <laughs> and it's very, um, Igor in Young Frankenstein, right? Right. The, the like the the acting is all this sort of very Mel Brooksy mm-hmm. types of acting, right? Deaf. And so it's this. I, there's all these like little moments that I'm gonna just keep popping in and pointing out because they're so funny. Mm-hmm. So I think it's why I keep coming back to the movie. You know, yeah. it's like that. It is just fucking funny. Yeah, it's definitely gross as it is. <laughs> well, it's it's definitely your it's definitely your sense of humor. You you love what we do in the shadows, etc. Yeah, it's Mel Brooks meets New Zealand. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I love Taika Waititi, but so I good. don't love what we do in the shadows. It's um, okay. I understand why you don't. Yeah. Being single in New York at that time. <laughs> God, every every dude just thinks he's so interesting for liking it. Um, but anyway. <laughs> it's just good. I'm not ever going to make you watch it. It's fucking fun, though. No, I probably, I objectively, I realize that it's good, but I don't think I'll ever revisit it. Fair. Yeah. That's when what the you, TV show is for. When you have five, like, not five, but like at least three dudes in one month trying to get you to watch it with them, you're just like, Jesus Christ, like... I get it. <laughs> I get it. It's good. I've seen it now. Yes, Futurama is fun. Oh my god, that's another one. Anyway, wow. Um, <laughs> so Lionel goes to visit Paquita, and Lionel is given this um, very gaudy but also very cool pendant. It's from the uh, tarot card that right. uh, Paquita's grandmother read for her, and then he, he she gives it to Lionel for good luck. And Vera breaks out of the basement is, and is maybe killed by a tram but well, she's like she's also stalking them again right yeah, like, of course this is all this bitch does like leave him you alone you know she's so racist she's racist she's lonely she's a zombie you know how would you betray me like this good god um so she is in quotes killed by a tram <laughs> again dead again she's a zombie that's what i always think the title dead of this movie again. is is dead again not oh dead alive dead which, by the way, I'm, I, every single time we say it, I think of the title card, which is sick. I love it's the title so card, yeah. the, the like bloody text that comes through. It's cool. Anyway, um, we're at her funeral. Uh, this is a great scene. It's so and good. Paquita just like is looking for him, but looking hot as hell in her funeral attire. Oh, yeah. Paquita's beautiful. She serves. Beautiful. 
Um, so we're we're at <laughs> we're at her funeral. I I think this might be my favorite scene just because it's ridiculous. Um, I mean, the whole movie is ridiculous, but yeah. you know, uh, Lionel is, uh, tranquilizes Vera to keep her from you know attacking the uh, funeral goers. Yeah, and the priest is like, oh, he kept wanting to see the body, but I thought it was a it was a, a, a service to not let him see it. It was pretty gruesome. Right, exactly. <laughs> so, and this is where Peter Jackson has his cameo. Yes. He's the Undertaker's assistant. Right. That's right. You pointed that out um, last night. So so he he goes to the graveyard to inject her with more of it. Right. Um, so that she doesn't, you know, come straight up out of the grave and like zombie style. And <laughs> he is gets beaten up by a group of just like shithead punks who yeah. think who think that he's like a necrophiliac. Yeah, they like, You're sick, you pivot. Yeah, they think he's like trying to fuck her. Yeah. Um. So that's my mom, and they are like, that's even worse. <laughs> it's just a huge comedy of errors here. So I love that. I love that his name is Void as well. Yeah, it's a very like it's a very very late eighties early nineties kind of like shitty punk. Yeah. So he pisses on Vera's uh, gravestone, <laughs> and then guess who comes up out of that grave and attacks them, Vera. She is here. She grabs him by the balls. She's oh, just hardcore. He's in trouble. And like lawn mowers his stomach open. So it's just rib cage exposed. Yes. So basically, to put it quickly, Void and the priest are turned into zombies. They're okay, killed. Let's not go too quick here. The priest kicks all the fucking ass here. True. He jumps down. He's like, I, I kick ass for the Lord. And jumps down and has this whole kung fu sequence, and it's dope. It's amazing. How this is you- <laughs> like this movie. It, it it rings so many Monty Python bells for me as well. I mean, that's one of his biggest influences in for the, sure. In the slapstick of it, and yeah. just in the uh, bravado of the way that the lines are delivered and everything. Yeah, um, yeah it's it's which is it's fun. Python, it's Brooks, and it's just like I, I, what I love about this movie is that every moment he can, he chooses a joke. Yeah, you know I mean? and like it's him, it's Fran Walsh, it's um um Stephen um I just forgot his name. Fuck, it's right there. It's him, it's Fran Walsh, it's Stephen Sinclair. They all like to choose jokes when jokes are available. I right? because be, it's a comedy. Choose the joke. I would be very surprised if someone hasn't already tried to make this into a musical because we already have like a young Frankenstein, we have mm-hmm. Bat Boy, we have we have kind of the framework for what this musical could be. We have Rocky Horror with played the dad in Heather's would be amazing as the priest. Oh, hundred percent. Yeah, my dead have, gay son would be his um, his big moment here, right? Yeah. I kick ass for the Lord. Like Paquita and and Lionel are kind of our perfect Brad and Janet here. Oh, of course and they are. And we, we've already got the framework to actually make this, so I would be really surprised if this hasn't already been attempted. I'm going to cut that so I can use it for myself. I'm going to write this <laughs> fucking musical. I'm stoked. This is going to be so fun. The um, most blood ever used on stage. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> like, it's maybe I'm going to hand out next- ponchos. Maybe it's maybe it's the next step um, on Broadway. You can compete with Sweeney Todd. This is my uh, um, this is my ticket to Joe's Pub right here. There you go. So uh, so Void and the Priest are now zombies, and Lionel has to hide them in the basement too. So uh, the body count in the basement is getting pretty high for a basement because considering that probably one body is too much. Um, <laughs> well, it's it's four bodies too many. It's four bodies too many. Death. So, so here's the thing, guys, is this is really where the movie takes off and is just like, what? (laughs) It continues to make you feel this way. But then so so the nurse zombie and the priest zombie fuck and make a baby zombie. And and that looks just like Chunk from the Goonies. Yeah. It's like miniature Chunk. It's kind of ugly cute. Yeah. Wait, Chunk? Oh, sloth. Sorry. Yeah, I'm like, Chunk was Sean Astin. Sorry. Yeah. It, it does. It, it looks like a baby sloth from, from yeah. the Goonies. Definitely. Sloth love Chunk. Sorry. Same, same, um, same energy, same prosthetics, probably. Yeah. Very much uh, on that vibe. So Lionel decides he breaks up with Paquita to keep her safe. Ugh. Gross. Um, Worst trope. <laughs> which he doesn't realize that Paquita's mother is probably the key to all of this. And Paquita herself is like, dope yeah exactly so lionel's uncle les 
creepy Uncle Les. Gross. Oh, he's so he's disgusting. He's awful. He's the worst. He's like meatloaf in a bad hairpiece. Yeah, so he... Meatloaf now in a bad hairpiece, right? And yeah. I'm not commenting on, on body type or size or anything like that. It's just that he is visibly disgusting. Yeah. He's got cold sores all over his mouth. He always smokes like rolled cigarettes out of the corner of his mouth. Like, right? He's got a can disgusting toupee. Like yeah. Yeah. He's got a disgusting toupee on. Um, I do like his outfit one. though. That jacket is cool. Yeah. The jacket's cool. But he sucks. He yeah, he's is. Awful. He, he's a pervert. He's disgusting. Yeah. So, um, but anyway, he arrives and is like trying to talk to Lionel about the estate, about yeah. Vera's estate. And there's this, you know, funny moment where Lionel's trying to cover up that the priest and the nurse are fucking and you can hear it. And, <laughs> and he's like, you know, standing in front of the door, like, no, don't go, don't go in there. Don't go in there. And he's like, he hears, you know, the sex noises and everything. And he's like, oh, you found your, you found, you found your father's old, uh, stag films, stag films and stuff. And like, it's this <laughs> really tense moment where it's just really embarrassing. So, so then Les eventually finds the zombies and he thinks that they are quote unquote stiffs in the right, basement. That they're literally corpses. Yeah. Yes. Um, Not said, alive stiffs. <laughs> yeah, stiffs. And so what does creepy uncle terrible Les do but blackmail his nephew? And yeah, into giving him the estate and and his inheritance. He's taking everything. Yeah, he's like, no, I'm taking every dime and the house. You're penniless and now unhoused. Yeah. So creepy, creepy uncle Les decides to invite his friends over for a housewarming party. And Lionel's like, you don't want to do that. But he does it anyway. So um, during the party, Paquita arrives to um, try to try to say, like, look, like we like I'm not scared. You don't have to like, you know, try to keep me safe. It's a this very is, Taylor Swift moment. You yeah. belong with me. You know? Yeah. Yeah. We're <laughs> meant to be together. This is bullshit. Like grow a pair. And so she then discovers the zombies in the basement. And Lionel is kind of like, OK, look, this is what's going down. And <laughs> she she is the one who convinces Lionel to give them poison yeah. to finally kill them. Um, but then we discover that what he thinks was poison was actually animal stimulants, which which revives them. They all just shoot the fuck out the, of them. They've got the Sumatran rat monkey disease. Exactly. They all just like shoot up from um, their coffins or whatever. This is and a better movie than Outbreak. I haven't seen Outbreak. It's not that great. Mm. So they they barely escape these um, basically uh, zombies on steroids. Yeah. Uh, they, <laughs> they are amped. They are on all the PEDs. Rah! It's just crazy. <laughs> so the zombies pretty much, you know, slaughter the party guests, turning them into uh, zombies. So yeah, this, yeah. Is, this is a fucking nightmare. And, um, <laughs> and then uh, Paquita and Lionel... They end up getting separated uh, throughout all of this. Lionel is outside of the house. Paquita is in the kitchen with uh, Rita. Yeah, one who, of the only other survivors. Yes, and I will mention I don't love that they that they're like literally in the kitchen, but I don't think it was intentional. Yeah, it's um, just it's an oversight from a, a white male director. Exactly, it's just it's signaling a little too much. But anyway, Lionel grabs a lawnmower and basically purees the zombies. <laughs> just, he put that shit on blend and said, let's go. Yeah, blend, high, Vitamix, bitch, <laughs> let's go. I'm not fucking around. He's making zombie soups. Yep. <laughs> zombie gazpacho. Ooh, zombacho. <laughs> yeah. Gumzabcho? Because you, know you, know corp- you know those corpses ain't warm, so we got a cold soup going on. Yeah, so... Let's just settle on a title for what that soup would be. Is it Zampacho Gazamcho? That's it. That's the only two I have. I veto both. So. <laughs> How would you propose an idea instead of shitting on all of mine? We'll just call it Zombie Gazpacho. <sighs> I like a portmanteau. I don't, I don't think it works in this case. I'm sorry. Fine, I just don't fine, think it works. Fine. Sometimes, you know. It's fine. It's fine. It's not a problem. It's just a challenge. So while Lionel is pureeing. Paquita is also pureeing the yep. body parts of She's got all a these food zombies. processor going, just yep. like grabbing the limbs that are crawling in and saying, "Nope, I got mine. Let's yep. go." So we've we've got a, a we've got a lot of gazpacho to go around. Gross. That's even grosser than the movie. <laughs> yeah. Well. You nasty. It's fine. I, I I fit in. So at this point, Les like makes them 
let him in because he was being chased by the zombies, which I was like, leave that motherfucker out there. Yeah. I mean, he's done a fair amount of killing. He does a He does a good job with the uh, the deading the debtor. He does. I just hate him. Yeah. No, he's so, awful. So eventually Paquita obliterates the head of Les, who is who has become a zombie pretty much. Mm. And yeah, she puts it in the blender and then stops it. Yeah. So because it, it's just like spinning around with the blender and then she stops it. So it just shreds down into a puree. Yeah. And I should mention that, unfortunately, Rita does get bitten by Ugh, a zombie. Um so, by her friend who's now a light fixture. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That was that was crazy. This is where this is where the idea to start a fire started because um the head finally bursts into flames after being, you know, around a light a light bulb. So then Vera is like Godzilla at this point. Like it's just huge and like <laughs> She's enormous. Is, yeah. is is um elite level of zombie. Like it's just the Queen Bee zombie. Would you say and it's a combination of the mother from the basement and the big bad deadite monster dragon thing at the end of Evil Dead too? Yeah. Right? I would like say in terms that of like, like she's got the whole like full body, heavy breast, but she's got the size. Like that she has that like She's got the whole like bloated dead body zombie thing going on, like in the proportions, but mm-hmm. she has like the sort of like you never played the Metroid games, but there's a villain called Ridley who's like a bone dragon. Okay. Not a dragon who bones, but a dragon made of bones. Okay. It's like a combination of those two things, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. That's, but that's it, it a feels very evil daddy. Oh yeah, definitely. Um so Vera emerges from the basement and um, they end up on the roof of the house, which um, catches fire. Yeah, Paquita from... like bursts a gas pipe yes. into the, the lady, the former lady who's on fire. Yes, correct. And there's no portrait of her, unfortunately, but. No, there is not. Uh, so we're on the roof now with Lionel, uh, crazy monstrous uh, Vera and Paquita. So they're, they're kind of cornered on the roof. Lionel confronts confronts Vera about she was actually the one that drowned his father. Yeah, he finds a bunch um, he finds a trunk in the in the attic with the, a bunch of photos, photos and yeah, yeah and, and and basically his father was cheating on his mother and his mother was pissed and got revenge by drowning both of them in a bathtub that she walked in on in them front of in front of him. Too, yeah. He saw it. Yes. So, he he confronts her about all of that and and is, you know, kind of like I've been blaming myself for my entire life. You're such a fuck Fucking liar! And what is monstrous? What 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 would a zombie monster do in this case? She just picks his ass up and swallows him. But through her stomach. through her stomach, <laughs> um, yeah, it, and it's it's opens like a clamshell. Well, it's kind of great because it's the it's it kind of represents exactly what would happen in Psycho if it were an um, elevated circumstance because it's it's symbolism of baby going back in the womb. Oh, 100%. You know, nice. it's it's very it's very out there. It's not babe, babe. What? Good. I liked that. That was awesome. That is just good film watching. Well, it's it's kind of just shown to you. I know, but <laughs> hey, you know what? I love you and I love the way you watch films. Thank you. Then she tries to kill Paquita. And Lionel cuts his way out just like motherfucking Hercules um, out of his mother's body. I think you mean Huncules. Ooh, bless my soul. So, and and he cuts through with the pendant that was, you know, given to, to him. So Vera falls back into the house that is on fire. Very on fire. Very yes. on fire. Quite on fire. The most on fire. And <laughs> Lionel and Paquita are able to escape the burning house. Um, and the firefighters show up, etc. And guess what, guys? They kiss and they walk away arm in arm into or away from the flames. Into the sunrise. Into the sunrise. Not the sunset. It's, yeah, it's the morning. Because it's hopeful. Well, sunrises are hopeful, right? Sunsets True. are like they represent end of life. And sunrises. Beginnings. And you know who's not dead by dawn? Look, brought it full back around. Amazing. 45 minutes later. <laughs> Beautiful. So yeah, like I said, this movie, if you really want something that just does not hold back, goes for it, goes for the gore, will make you feel a little queasy, just pop this baby on. It's fun. It is. Like, it is fun. It's, it's, it's funny, too. Well, what is film if you can't explore the absolute outrageous yeah sometimes you, know? you gotta push the nth degree you know yeah. uh, we were actually talking with a couple of your roommates earlier today about this and how much it influenced how much you can see his influence 
later in life or later in his career. Yeah. On his other films. Like Peter Jackson loves gore. Yeah. Like you can see it in the Lord of the Rings and the Hobbit trilogies, uh, both that there are nice sort of like nods to his splatter background. Yeah. And I mean, this, uh, this particular movie really explores that through almost like a cartoon lens because people love animation because you can do whatever the fuck you want. Mm -hmm. You can draw whatever you want, but Mm -hmm. this kind of explores that same kind of like Ren and Stimpy kind of just gross, like whatever, whatever. Itchy and scratchy from the Simpsons. Yeah, exactly. And that's, what's really fun about it. And like Metalocalypse owes so much to this. Mm -hmm. Like, I guess we can just jump in and talk about like what this influenced, right? Clearly, like we just said, Metalocalypse, Ren and Stimpy, Itchy and Scratchy from The Simpsons. Those were all kind of concurrent with this, but it's mm-hmm. that same. Like, there's there was this moment in. I guess we'll combine two of our topics that we we're going to talk about on our docket of splatter and the influence of this movie. Yeah, the splatter genre has kind of gone away. Yeah, we've gotten more cerebral. We have, and whatever was, like the the hole that splatter left was filled by torture porn. Right. Yeah, which I. Ugh. Yeah, like torture porn wants you to focus on the minutia of. Mm-hmm. Right, like yeah. it, it wants it wants to focus in on small moments of pain and make mm-hmm. you feel that pain. Yeah, splatter is way more fun. Like I, I I know people who love torture porn. They think it's such a cool, interesting genre, and I just disagree. Yeah, I would like to see a return of splatter. I think we're ready for it. Mm-hmm. You know, I think we're ready for something that's just. I think we need a breather. You know. Yeah. Like, I, I don't want to talk too, too much about the, the genre at large, but, like, I love all of these mad pretentious, and I mean that as, like, a compliment of, like, mm-hmm. the, but these mad pretentious cerebral analyses or analysis type horrors, right? Yeah. We've called them the, uh, the allegory. Yeah. I mean, uh, and, and at some point it almost, uh, when you have so many of them, it almost starts to feel like, oh, who can pull the most twists? Who can, you know, get the most... Who can be the most clever? Yeah, who can be the most clever sort of thing. And I don't know. I, I kind of agree with you. I think a palate cleanser could be could be necessary here because we haven't yeah. we haven't had something that was truly, truly like this since maybe... Tucker and Dale or Cabin in the Woods. Um, yeah, Tucker and Dale is probably the most splattery thing we've gotten in recent memory. Before that, I wouldn't say that Cabin in the Woods is more splatter than Tucker and Dale. I would say Shaun yeah. of the Dead, which this is a direct influence on. That's true. Simon Pegg and Edgar Wright, both huge, 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 huge Peter Jackson fans. Um, yeah. You can tell it in their writing, and they're big Fran Walsh fans as well. Which still never was a couple of, of Which still was a couple of years ago. So, I mean, hell, Shaun of the Dead was 2004. Yep. And Tucker and Dale was 2010, if I'm remembering right. I think so, at least around there. Yeah, Ball and Park. it was it was yeah yeah first first or second Obama term. Mm-hmm. So it's it's been almost a decade since we've had a proper splatter film that was good. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like mm-hmm. we, Evil Dead is one, but even like the the Evil Dead remake is not a splatter film, right? It's not. It's That's not the point fuck. of it. Yeah, yeah, it's gory as fuck, but it's not like it's not Evil Dead one or two. It's not Dead Alive. It's not Shaun of the Dead, which is a very well written dark comedy, mm-hmm. but is a zombie film. Yeah, and this is also one of my favorite zombie films. Like we, there, I, I'm a huge fan of the zombie genre, and I know what that means, and I know that it's not good. <laughs> like yeah. zombie films are not the best films. I understand that. Barring like, okay, we'll say Shaun of the Dead's a very very good movie. Just Up and Down is a good movie. Dawn of the Dead, very good movie. Night of the Living Dead, very good movie. Barring that, you're not looking at a lot of, like, interesting... There's a couple, like, The Last of Us is a video game series that is a very good zombie film, but it's an interactive one. Well, the problem is is that zombies are very one-dimensional, right? They can be, yeah. They, I mean traditionally is what i'm talking about is that they're they're very one-dimensional they they um walk around in pursuit of brains so that they can stay alive i mean some people have played with that like there was that show that was from the cw where the girl can solve mysteries by eating someone's brain yeah i zombie i actually really enjoyed what i saw of that Um, i saw about the first season it was fun you know people have kind of played with it but for the most part bodies was good the Romeo and Juliet one with uh, Nicholas Holt, where he plays a zombie who accidentally killed the love interest mother. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, people, my point is that 
people have played with it before, but traditionally the idea of zombies is just kind of, it's, it's a little bit boring unless you have really intriguing protagonists along with it yeah um it it can keep you engaged for a certain amount of time but it loses it frankly loses my interest because i just know i usually know exactly what's what's going to happen yeah but with this film what's really fun and also funny is that uh they've added wants and desires and it's like it's almost like they're all zombie light. Like they still have human characteristics, like the priest and the nurse that end up fucking and making a yeah. baby. Like they still have their own personalities and everything. They're not just in the in the classical sense of a zombie wandering around aimlessly looking for brains. Well, and that's the joke of the original title, right? The original title was Brain Dead. That's yeah. what it was released under in New Zealand. Yeah. And the joke is that the zombies are not brain dead. The yeah. zombies don't just want brains. They have wants and desires and they want to do things. Like mm-hmm. we even look at the small ones like um, Vera after Void shoves the spoon through the back of his head. Mm-hmm. Vera steals his eggs. Yeah. Yeah. She wants more eggs. She hungry. Yeah. Yeah. No, exactly. Exactly. And, and the so. nurse is thirsty. <laughs> Very. As is the priest. As is the, so, the priest. Yeah. Like, I I do like that about this. It's like the zombies are giving character, and we got that in um. There's a there's a movie called Day of the Dead that was also George Romero. Mm-hmm. Um. That is another. It's the funniest one of his. Mm-hmm. Like Dawn of the Dead and Night of the Living Dead. Very serious. Yeah. Day of the Dead is a ridiculous, stupid movie that I love to hate and hate to love. Yeah. Um. But it's it's a it's a goofball sort of comedy and like there's this weird it, not to go too far into it but there's just a the, the main one of the main characters is a fucking zombie who's just like learning how to be human again yeah yeah, yeah. totally so, and it, i like that this movie plays with this like this there's a lot of critique of the zombie genre of like why would you kill the zombie how do you know the brain is dead right like how do you know they're not human anymore yeah we talked a little bit about this in 28 days later i was about to bring up 28 days later because that is an unsuccessful zombie movie to me because again, it falls apart in the second act. It's it's a good idea, but it's just not executed well. Uh, we have a whole episode on it, so if you <laughs> want to hear more about my uh, opinions on that, then uh, go back a couple months. But uh, I don't know. I just I the zombie genre in general is very hit or miss for me. That's um, completely fair. It's mostly hit or miss. It was mostly splatter films after the eighties. Yeah. Or during and after the eighties. Yeah, and I mean this one. This one is a hit. For me, as far as zombie films go, because of what I said of uh, of yeah. them having their own personalities and it just being and everything they do is honestly just very ridiculous and funny. You know, yeah. I, I I enjoy that take on zombies that they they they're like you said, brain dead like they're or are they, you know, right. like there's the question of like, well, if you're truly brain dead, then you probably don't have any wants or desires because that all comes from, you know, your 100%. neurosystem and everything. Yeah. So um, I also want to point out that there was a lawsuit tied with this movie. <laughs> um, it's <laughs> one of the dumbest ones in history. It's uh, so stupid. Yeah. So it's Bradley versus uh, Wingnut Films Limited. Yes. Uh, and it was the lawsuit was that they had infringed the privacy of the plaintiffs by containing pictures of the plaintiff's family tombstone. So um, (laughs) what ended up happening was... uh, Sorry. Yeah, and I mean, this... it. It was a silly case, but it also um, sparked a series of cases um, which they had to... It changed New Zealand tort law. Yeah, that's what I was getting at, is (laughs) is that it it literally changed um, that law of uh, tort invasions of privacy in New Zealand. So it's like, it was a silly little case, but then it led to like, you know, well could I get money out of the, you know, like, like my privacy was in right. Yeah. And everything. So it, it and then they had shooting to change on location. it. Yeah, exactly. So they had to change. They had to change a lot of that. Yeah. It means you have to build sets to shoot in a graveyard now in New Zealand. Exactly. And uh, I mean, for the people who complain that like everything is just, you know, fake in Hollywood, I'm like, well, uh, they don't want to get sued. Yeah. Yeah, like the reason people build sets is because like, what if you caught someone in a window, right? Like if I shoot on location in New York. And they didn't sign anything, yeah. Yeah, because you didn't see them until they saw themselves. You know, like if we were, we just talked about West Side Story because we just watched it on Christmas Eve. But like, yeah, if they shot on location for a lot of that. Mm-hmm. And so if you and they and for the most recent iteration that's maybe coming out soon, but whatever, Spielberg is a coward. Um, if they caught someone in a window, 
and don't catch it in the editing process and blur them out or whatever, that's a loss. Could be a problem. Yeah. Yeah. Could be a big problem. So, so yeah, that's just kind of a weird uh, bit of trivia from this movie. That this movie literally changed New Zealand law. <laughs> which is so random. But yeah, I don't know. And I, we were kind of, we were kind of talking about the treatment of indigenous folks and yeah. also women in this movie. I, I personally think that this movie uh, treats treats women okay. Um, I think it's I'm pretty view, down with it. Yeah, I think its view on women is 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 just fine. She's not because whenever whenever uh, uh, Paquita and Rita are in the kitchen, if a man shows up, they just make it worse. Um, yes, and, yeah. yeah, and to be clear, a man makes it worse, right? Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 the man who shows up makes it worse. Yeah. Yeah, Including the man. Lionel, yeah. Yeah, the man makes it worse. They they've got it just fine. So it's there is a little bit of damseling, but it's but it's the funny kind where they're like, "What are you like? No, get, get the out! Fuck out yeah, of here. we like, we've got I've this got handled." This. Yeah. And then also with like I said earlier, Paquita is the love interest, definitely. Mm-hmm. Um, and but but it's not again the only reason why she's there plot wise. No. Her uh, her grandmother does a huge amount for this plot. Obviously, Absolutely, it wouldn't yeah. it wouldn't happen if Paquita wasn't in here. So it's not just a random like male gaze addition or anything. Or she she has she has a certain amount of agency here, especially when she goes to confront um, Lionel after he breaks up with her. Yeah, and she says she says, "Look, we're we're meant to be together. I full wholeheartedly believe that it's written in the stars for us. So I'm gonna get what I want. I want us to be together. Yeah, um, and also I can help you. Yeah, with this. Yeah, I'd say so, she has so much agency because she's pretty badass. She it's it's motivated by love, which it is for a man, which is iffy. Yeah, but the best kind of iffy where it's like, no, 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 I am getting what I want, and what I want is you. Yeah, like she takes on a traditionally masculine role in film. Yes, you know, sort of Western storytelling where she absolutely just says, no, 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 I want the thing, so I will get the thing. Yeah, and I, I love that about her that she's like, no, I'm not being sidelined. Fuck you. Yeah, exactly. I am part of this. Mm-hmm. I think she also kind not to of- reference last five years twice in this podcast, but I'm a part of that. Right. I think she also, I think she also kind of, you know, they went on a couple dates. She knows him. She knows him pretty well at this point. I think she knows that. Well, I think she knows that he maybe doesn't have this all handled. I think so too. He's, he's, he's a bubbling idiot. Like he is like this sort of, he's like Michael Palin in a Monty Python sketch. Yeah. Right. Like he, he doesn't quite understand the gravity of the situation he's in. Or if he does understand the gravity, which he maybe does, he doesn't grasp how to fix it. She's the one who yeah. says poison. Yeah. She's like, just kill them. Yeah. Just just put them at rest. Yeah. And uh, her grandmother is the one who's like, oh, no, no, no. I got this. And so. Well, to- and the pendant ends up being what saves him in the end anyway. It's, it's the Chekhov's gun situation. Yeah. Like, we see it in the first act in his hand on the card. Yep. And then we see it in his hand and we see it in like, there's, Yeah. Uh, which also ties into this is one of the few movies that actually treats Roma slash Romani really mm-hmm. well. Yeah. Uh, I'm not going to use the slur. Um, I'm sure you all know what I'm talking about, so I'm not going to use it. Mm-hmm. Um, please never use it. Or it's diminutive to talk about getting cheated on a deal because fuck that. So I love actually the treatment of Romani in this film. Mm-hmm. I think it's it doesn't fall into the sort sort of like magical other, you know, yeah, I where think- they're side characters who need to provide the white man with the the advice he needs. It's more that like, no, those are two parallel plots, right? Yes. The the magic happens with Paquita, and Paquita says, "I want to be with you." Yes. So she brings the magic things, or she brings him to the magic things that will help him fix things. It's yes. a little bit different, right? Agreed. It, and the, the nuance matters, I think. Agreed. And there isn't there there is never a wink or a comment at it. It is all it is all just people existing who happen to be Spanish slash Romani. Yeah. So it is it is very good. It's just it's it's just a part of um who they are. And I I agree with you with the um whole magic thing. There's not there's not any sort of weird like demonizing of it like a lot of people like to do. There's not or like elevating of it in a weird, yeah. crazy but 
put downy way kind right like, like that's the, it's, it's two sides of um, the same coin like the poc savior type trope. yeah that's what i'm talking about the, the, yeah the, I, it, Where it, people come in to help the white person, and exactly. That's why. That's why I use the. They get all the other. credit for it. Yeah, the white person. Yeah, yeah. And Lionel doesn't get all the credit for it, but Kita gets the credit for it in the film, and that's what I like is that it's not about saving the white guy, because the white guy's narrative is important. I think it's Paquita's film, honestly. Like, it's not Lionel's film. Lionel goes through a journey, for Mm -hmm. sure. But Paquita also goes through a journey, and she's more protagonist than Lionel is in terms of writing. Yeah. I think. That's a whole essay I would have to write, and probably Medium would publish it because they publish anything. Um, But (laughs) Yeah, yeah. but I think Paquita is the true savior of this film and the true hero of this film. Lionel goes through a journey, but Paquita also goes through a journey. So we have a dual protagonist situation. I think Paquita is as important, if not more important, than Lionel is. Hundred percent. And yeah, my only my only qualm with this movie, as far as that goes, is the beginning. The oof, it's rough. It's rough. The, uh, the first scene is is just like mm, I don't know. I, it 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 strikes me as as demonizing indigenous folks, and yeah. I don't like that. Yeah, it's done for comedy reasons, and the comedy reasons are bad. So there's it's it's a narrative that we've seen a lot in movies, even and I would even say especially Disney movies like um, Freaky sure. Friday or um, I want to say any any time that something magical slash like bad happens or a curse happens, mm-hmm. it's some sort of either indigenous, um, it has indigenous origins or it has. Um, you know, Asian orig- origins or it has, you know, like it's always Absolutely. and it's and it's somewhat demonizing those groups of people. Yeah. And that's kind of where this comes in as well, where it's like, oh, yeah, weird shit happens over there. Like a, a monkey rapes a rat and it becomes like a zo- like and if it yeah. bites you, it's you know, it's 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 all of it's all it's all of this, all of these narratives that could per- that perpetuate a form of racism. Yes. Right. And so we don't we don't love that. But but again, I do get what you're saying about, you know, that was that was a huge trend at that time. I hope we're past it. But um, yeah. And I want to not apologize bullshit. for it at all. Yeah. No, no. I uh, 100% do not want to apologize for that. And we can be we come across. We all. can be more creative than that with Absolutely. without um, demonizing any sort of uh, culture. So yeah. yeah, that's that's really all I had to say about this movie. Yeah, I love it a lot. I think we could dive into the comedy of it, but we kind of did that in the plot. It's, it's a very funny movie. Yeah. It's like I said, if you want kind of a, a fun, but maybe a vomit inducing movie, go, <laughs> go for it. Um, it's pretty gross. It's, it's disgusting. And it makes me queasy, but there's certain ones of those that I just love. I mean, hell parts of evil dead Two make me queasy. Uh, city of the living dead, which is another zombie movie that I really like. Is for sure. A queeze inducing movie. Yeah. But this is this movie is genuinely super fucking funny. I think the comedy in it is some of the best I've seen. Yeah, there are definitely some good beats in here. It's 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 well written. It's like I said, I I appreciate the journey that we took with the zombies and everything. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I would I would certainly recommend this to someone as long as they have a strong stomach. Yeah, just take some Dramamine or have a seltzer nearby. Yeah, have some some crackers by your bed or something. Um, what are but, you, June from Don't Touch the Bee in Apartment 23? I have been rewatching that for the 10th time. But anyway, um, yeah, you guys know exactly where to find us. We're on Instagram at Horror Babes Podcast. We're on Twitter at Horror Babes Pod. And we are always at HorrorBabesPod.com. If you've got any recommendations for us, let us know. And if you have given us a recommendation, we are getting to it. Thank you guys so much for all of the love and the support this year. Here is to a better, more compassionate 2021. Also, would love to throw a little shout out to my little baby, Sarah Pridgen, who got us our amazing design, which you will have already seen on Instagram, I hope, by now. Yes. For our new t-shirts. We are working on getting a little more production run on everything. We have a very short run right now. We don't know how we're selling them in this moment. (laughs) We are working on that this week, but... I just wanted to give her a shout out and tell her how much I love her on air. Absolutely. We love you all so the generations much. After. She is so wonderful. Thank you so much, Sarah. And to Seth 
Haken, we love you so much as well. Thank you for this theme song. It is amazing. I'm so glad we got to work with you on this and we love it. And I love it every single time I lay it in and post. Absolutely. (laughs) So we love all of you. And if you love us back, please give us a shout out, a nice review on iTunes. That is how we move up in this game. We want to keep making this for you guys. We have so much fun doing it. It truly is a joy of our weeks. It truly is, yeah. In 2020, it was a lifesaver. We love um, being able to talk about art in this capacity. And yeah, we we hope you guys are staying safe. And we will see you next year. Well, this year. This year. I guess this is coming out (laughs) on January 1st. But yeah, what is time anymore? I don't know. Doesn't exist. I truly don't know. Flat circle. Anyway, till next time. Bye, Bye, babes. babes. Yeah.